All right, so let me quickly walk through some of the uh, blanks and stuff we talked about last time in our introduction. And that is, uh, the Bible tells us that we are promised tribulation in this life. Uh, John, John 16, 33 says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Tribulation is just a fancy word for trials, trouble, stress. Right? Stress is things that put pressure on you. Um, but in light of that, he says, take heart or be encouraged. I've overcome the world. So you don't have any reason to be afraid of the world, even though it's going to bring you stress and trials and tribulation. He says, I've already overcome the world. Um, here's some verses here that talk about that. Basically, the years of our life are 70 by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. So here's what you have to look forward to in life, friends. You get out of college and guess what? Stress doesn't get any easier. In fact, college is a good preparation time for you to learn how to deal with stress properly. That is one of the reasons you are here. Does that make you feel good? Not particularly. Um, so the real question is, and we're not going to actually cover this necessarily today. I think this might be a blank at some point in your, in your thing. Uh, how can we overcome the stressors of life before they overcome us? How, how can we <clears throat> deal with the things that put pressure on our lives? Because we're going to face those pressures. And the Bible has a lot to say about pressures. It, it describes where stress comes from, uh, how we receive stress, like what, what causes stress, and then when we eventually we're going to talk about how that we can release those the strength, the power those things have over us uh, in a very practical way. So we talked a little bit about the source of our stressors. Um, and count it all joy, brothers, when you fall into trials of what? <laughs> of various kinds. We're all going to deal with different kinds of trials. And that's exactly what we talked about here at the beginning. We have different stressors. We have um, environment, circumstances in life. I said things like wildfires, hurricanes, car wreck, traffic, flat tire, leaky roof. Things that are <coughs> outside of our control. Uh, you might have a temperamental friend who blows up at you. You can't control that. Completely out of your control. Circumstances in life. Our own limitations, our own limitations and deficiencies can become a point of stress. You might say, I'm not a very good reader. I have a friend who says he's not a very good test taker. And, and he's like, I, that is a point of stress. Every time he goes into a test, he's like, I'm not a good test taker. I'm smart. I know this material. But I freak out when I take the test. I panic. And I don't, I don't test well. It's stress. is not, right? And that are lo- our own limitations um, can, and especially in college when you're constantly being tested or constantly being evaluated against each other, like you're in class, people are saying, well, you got a B, which means you didn't get an A, which means you're not the best in the class. Or you got an A, and you're thinking, oh, look at me, I got an A, but somebody got an A+. Plus. And you get up maybe you get a C or an F or a D or something, you're thinking, man, what's wrong with me? That can become, and you can start letting that haunt you. You can say, man, what's my problem? Why can't I overcome this stuff? Um... Other people, I mean, I talked about this earlier, you have temperamental roommates, you have brothers, sisters, moms, and dads, people who are unpredictable, people who cause your life stress. Um, but unity with people, it doesn't just happen, it takes work. The Bible tells us this, blessed are the peacemakers. What do you notice about this, about this word right here? Blessed are the peacemakers. 
they shall be called sons or children of God. What? Talk to me. What do you see in that word? Not a hard question. Peace. And what do you do with peace? You make it. Is it something that just happens? There's oh, there are three kinds of people. There are people who are peace breakers. Some of you like to do that. There's people who are just enjoying themselves, having a great day, no problem, and you can't stand it. You feel like there's got to be a little conflict, so you like you like start some trouble, right? Have you ever been that kind of person or known somebody like that? I know people. My brother is like this. Younger brother. My mom used to call him an irritant. She said, you just got to ignore him. He's an irritant. He would come in and he'd just pick at stuff. And he would irritate for purpose. He's a peace breaker. They're peace fakers. This is where I tend towards. I tend towards peace faking. Where if, I, if I'm not really, if it doesn't really bother me, I'm not going to make a big deal about it. It might bother me. Like you might do something that really offends me. But if it's not really, really offensive, I'll kind of be like, eh. Not, it's not worth dealing with. It's not worth the trouble, the pain, the anguish of having to deal with it. This is my, when I fail, this is my temptation, personally. Some of y'all are that way too. You just like fake. You pretend like you're best friends. Oh, it's so good to see you. And you're actually like, you're actually not really thrilled that they're there. And somebody's like, I hope this doesn't bother you. That Oh, no, no big deal. But really in the inside, you're like, why are they doing this to me? You know what I'm saying, right? There's peace breakers, there's peace fakers, but the right way to deal is peacemakers. Is actually making peace. Peace is something that has to be actively done. It's not something that happens on its own. And Ephesians 4.3 says, Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The unity of the Spirit, the unity of one another. Other people are going to be a stress on you. You've got to make sure you respond the right way. What are some typical responses? This is all review. To the stresses of life. Um, you've got to be alert because, you know, it's typical that we don't handle stresses the right way. Uh, and the truth is, if we don't handle them the right way, we're probably not going to handle them the right way in the future either. We're going to be deceived into handling stress in inappropriate ways. So you've got to be looking out for these stresses when they come your way. It says, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Nobody wants to fall into handling stress the wrong way, but your flesh is weak. You get tired enough, you can do anything. You'll, you'll snap. You get tired enough, you will snap. Um, I was so tired today. I, I, I came home and I took a nap and I just, I felt, when I woke up, I felt rejuvenated. I felt so much better because I have had a long week already and I had a long weekend and long day yesterday and, and I was tired and I, I was getting short with people. I was getting short with my wife. I didn't say anything I shouldn't have said, really, but I, I could feel myself, you know how it is. You feel yourself getting, like, irritable. It's like the Snickers commercial. You're not you and you're hungry, you know? And that was me, you know, uh, yesterday and today a little bit. The spirit is, is willing, the flesh is weak. You've got to be aware of that. If you're not aware of that, you'll be surprised and you're overwhelmed. You'll all of a sudden be overwhelmed by stress and you don't know where it came from. You've got to learn to look around you and be aware of these kind of things. Um, so we've got to be aware of those different kinds of stressors we're most likely to experience because we're all different. Jermel's different than me and he experiences different kinds of stresses than I do. Sabrina's different than me. We both experience different kinds of stressors and that's fine. God made it that way. I mean, she doesn't have three children. So she's thankful for that right now. But uh, we have we have different kinds of stressors, right? 
Here you go. Walk to this thing. Grab up. That's okay, no problem. Thanks for coming. We're, we're talking about stress today. Oh, yes. Isn't I'm that great? Yes, there we go, right? So, what are some wrong ways, some typical ways of handling, typical responses to handling stress? I listed them out there, but you know, you could even come up with these on your own. You don't have to read them off the sheet. Uh, a lot of people respond with debilitating fear and anxiety, right? Debilitating fear or anxiety. Um, what are some persistent fears you're comfortable sharing with other people? Like you, you would be comfortable sharing tonight. What is a persistent fear? Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, you're, you're performing. It's like a performance major. It's like you're getting up there and people are like, yes or no. Like people give you, people are evaluating you constantly. So that's really the stress. That's a fear. Yeah. Mine is probably um, when I'm discipling somebody, making sure that I'm clearly explaining scriptures the way I should. Okay. So that they don't get it. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, that's a big responsibility. To deal with somebody's spiritual life, I deal with that a lot as well. It, it's a it's a fearful thing to preach, You're like having to um, having to actually say stuff and people <laughs> listen to you. It's kind of scary. Um, I had this uh, Zeke. Can you mind closing that door for me? Is that all right? Am I doing it? Um, I had this fear, and it's not a fear that like um, keeps me from doing anything. It's not a debilitating debilitating fear. It's something that prevents you from doing something. That's really what a debilitating fear is. It's something that, like, ability, uh, but it, it, it takes away that. It's this idea of, of removing action. So, something that keeps you from doing something. Fear of man. Uh, fe- yeah, fear of people, fear of man. And most um, of the things we fear is not even happening. Yeah, and I've talked to people who are really afraid of, um, i talked to moms who are afraid of, like, they, they have miscarriage and they're afraid of conceiving. Because they don't want to go through that pain again, and I understand that. That's very hard. Um, I, I'm getting, I, I was going to say my fear that I have. It's not really a debilitating fear or anxiety, but it's like it's a weird thing that I, I just I feel like all the time. I'm like, man, I, 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 when I drive, I have these visions in my head. I'm like, I could easily see somebody crossing the center line and just crushing me in my car. Or I could like when I back out, I'm always like I could just imagine. Maybe I've watched too many movies, but I I just can imagine myself backing out of like a parking space and this gigantic smack truck is coming, pow, and like just crushing me. Like I don't know. I have this. I have like not visions like prophetic visions, but like I can see in my head. And I have a very active imagination. As a child, I had a very very active imagination, but like um, I I can imagine that, and so I have to actively think. You know, not suppress in a bad way, but actively think. Look, I I got to get to where I'm going. It's not like I did, it can't prevent me from doing what I'm going to do. Okay, so all of us have these kind of things, and stresses uh, can cause great fears. All the things we listed earlier. Um, what the Bible says also worry um, or anxiety. Uh, to go back. To, oh, I actually was going to list all of these out. Then I was going to go one by one. I forgot. This verse here uh, in Proverbs twenty nine twenty five says, "The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe." Uh, and there's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. We're going to come back to this later. Fear has no to do with punishment. Whoever fears has not been perfected in love. The opposite of fear is not courage. The opposite of fear is love. What you, the reason you have courage is because of love in your heart. The reason the mom or the dad will 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 f- 
face off a dangerous animal to protect their child is not because they're a very courageous person. It's because they love their child so much. They, they're, they're overwhelmed with love that they throw out fear. When you overwhelm with love, you throw out fear. And so we'll talk about that more later. But worry or anxiety is also an issue. And when you have troubles with worry... Oh, wait, I have one more here. Nope. Just the right verse? I think so. Yeah, Isaiah. Yeah. Yeah, they are. This is all fear and anxiety. Um, Where do you run for help? The Lord is a strong power. The righteous man runs into it is safe. The name of the Lord, the the reputation of the Lord. God says, fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed. Don't Don't be overwhelmed by pain. I'm your God. What do you have to worry about? I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God is not saying the Disney's the tune of look inside yourself and find the strength within. He's saying, look at me. It's, it's the opposite of what the world is telling you. The world tells you you need to dig deep and find the inner self that is so radiant and so full of goodness. Where God says, um, don't be afraid because I'm right here. Not don't be afraid because you're so strong. I watched that movie, uh, Kung Fu Panda. Have you ever seen Kung Fu Panda? At the very end, he gets to the top and he finds a secret sauce, or whatever the secret thing, and he opens it up and it's nothing. And uh, Master Shifu, or whatever his name is, is that right? Is that yeah. Shifu? I'm trying to get this right, and Laura knows. She's like nodding the whole way, so she's my. Okay. Master Shifu says something to uh, Poe. I think his name is Poe, whatever his name is. The panda says uh, something like, You know, you had it all within you all along. It's a bunch of garbage. It's going to be garbage. Okay? That's, that's, not, that's not how it works. Life is not like that. Bert. It, God is the one who gives us strength. We don't have it within us. If you have it within us, what do you need anybody else for? Be self-sufficient. Just go out and do your thing. Um, there's no fear in love. We talked about this perfect love. Cast out fear. Worry or anxiety is a big one. Worry is focusing on what may happen if something does or does not occur. Uh, and we have that verse, uh, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient as the day is its own e-trouble. And we talked about this at length last time. And I think this is very helpful. And we talked about the difference between what's your responsibility and what is on your radar. So you have things out here that are interest of you, interest to you, but they're not your inside your realm of responsibility. Um, and that's important because what God calls us to do is do what we're supposed to do right now. And not, not worry about what's outside of our own responsibilities. Um, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow's not here. Can't do anything about it. If, if a nuclear warhead strikes in Washington, D.C. tomorrow, there is nothing that you or I could do about it. Zero. There is nothing. Even if you got on Twitter and tweeted the whole world about it, and weren't, it you can't prevent that. What you, can, what you can do is you can study for your test yet tomorrow. So we talked about this last week. We were joking about things like people who do this often get absorbed in, in things that are big conspiracies or uh, politics or things that are on the national, international scale. Can you believe what's happening with Trump? Can you believe what's happening with Obama? Can you believe what's happening with the Supreme Court? Can you believe what's happening with Congress? And they get all wrapped up in this stuff. And you're like, yeah, but, you're, but you've got, God has called you to certain things. And God's not made you a congressman. No, you vote, whatever, do your thing. But but don't don't get so wrapped up in the things that are outside. Your tomorrows cannot overwhelm your todays. Right? God has only given you enough strength, enough grace to handle this. He's not given you the grace for this. 
So when you step outside of what God has called you to do and you start messing with stuff that's outside your your your, your scope, you're, you're on your own. And that's where people get overwhelmed a lot of times. Um, I found this true in my own life. And I found this true with counseling people. I'm telling you. So many times people people come and they're like wrapped up. They're all messed. They're all stressed out. Uh, if you start peeling away what's stressing them out, often it's this stuff. They get stressed out over the Supreme Court. They get stressed out over the president. I'm like, seriously? Like, is your life really that different than it was yesterday because of this whatever? Okay, not to say that we shouldn't be concerned, obviously. We can be concerned, but not worry. Um, let's turn to Matthew 6. I have verses here. We finally got to where we were last time. Uh, Matthew 6, if you have your Bible. Um, 25. Jesus is talking here, and this is kind of in the same section here. Do I have it? Is this the right? Nope, that's not it. Let's go back to 634. This is the last verse of this passage. Um, uh, who can read like 25 and 26? Jake, and then Jermel, can you read 27 and 28? And then. Um, uh, Laura, can you read 29 and 30? Uh, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you uh, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither nor, they neither store nor reap or gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Go ahead and finish that next, yeah. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God does, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, "What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear?" For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And that's when He says this: Therefore, don't be anxious. Seek God first. God says, "Seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you." You don't need to worry. If God clothes the grass of the field, which is temporary, which you literally cut with your lawnmower and it gets swept up or burned up, if He if He clothes the lilies of the field and the birds of the air, should He not clothe you? Let's go to uh, skip John fourteen. That's that's a very uh, short passage. That's actually a long passage there. But we're going to skip that today and go to Philippians four. Um, this is a great passage here. If you have your Bible, you can go there. It might even be in your um, notes. I try to put a lot of this in your notes. So you can have it in one section, but it's also helpful to see it in your Bible. I don't want you to ever get um, forget, you know, to use your Bible. Um, Sabrina, can you read that for us? Uh, yeah, it's yeah, six and seven. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known. Okay, very good. We have get anxiety here, anxious, being a little jumpy, <laughs> being nervous, being anxious about anything. It says, don't be anxious about what? What are you allowed to be anxious about? 
Nothing. And that's kind of shocking. It's like, are you really allowed like, not to be anxious? Yeah. God says don't be anxious. Yes. The thing is that people don't realize that this verse is not a suggestion. It's a command. Right. So what are the commands in this verse? Let's just read for all the commands. What are they? Well, what's your first one? Do not be. Okay, do not be. Okay, do not be. That's your command. It's imperative. Don't be anxious. Uh, what's your next one? Let let your request be made known to God. Uh, yeah. So you have two commands here. Don't be anxious. Pray. You have requests. Don't sit there and internalize them. And worry, and worry, and worry, and worry. Give them to God. Uh, we'll talk about how to answer these things in a little bit. We're not. We're kind of jumping ahead of ourselves. I just really want to focus on the fact that stress can come and lead to this anxiety. Can really come from anxiety. It's a big deal. Anxiety is a big one. Also, another big one is uh, this bitterness, anger, resentment. People respond. Um, to the stress in their life with bitterness, anger, resentment. Um, Bible names these in Ephesians 4. It says, um, Let all bitterness, wrath, and anger, and clamor, and slander be put away from you with all, with all malice. Uh, we also have in Philippians 4 5, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. And I put this in here, not just the people you like. You're not supposed to just be reasonable with people you like, you're supposed to be reasonable with all people. The Lord is at hand. And then in Colossians 3. Now, put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk. So anger, bitterness, and resentment is not good. And it's not a right way to handle it. There's a couple more. One is uh, depression. Let's go to Genesis 4. I don't have this on the screen, I don't think. No, I don't. Genesis 4. We have a couple really good examples in the Bible of depression. How would you describe depression? Lack of hope. That's that's a great way of putting it. Depression is sadness without any hope. So it's being depression is um, is grief, but without any any way of seeing a, a, the the way out. You see darkness all around you. You see no reason to continue. It's all dark, no light. Um, the Christian will face time of darkness. But I personally believe that if you, when you give up hope as a Christian, you're in sin. Because God always gives us hope. Now, I don't think that... Uh, I think that you'll face dark times. I think you'll face sad times. People you, you love will die. People you care about will abandon you. It will, life is hard in many ways. Life can be joyful too, but life can be hard. Well, look at Genesis 4. I think this is so fascinating. I'm just going to read a few verses here. Verses 5 through 7. Um, Cain, in his offering, he uh, God... The Lord had regard for Abel in his offering, but for Cain in his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. What's the indication that he is depressed or discouraged? His face fell. Yeah, what does that mean? His face fell. Like, did, did he trip and his face fell? And hit the ground. Yeah, it talks about his countenance, like his appearance, like his wide, long face, chum. Right, his his face is long. He 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 looks sad and depressed. Instead of being obedient and making it right. 
The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why is your face fallen? So he was bitter and angry as well. His depression came from anger. He said, why have your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at its door. It's desire for you. You must rule over it. Uh, I think that was it for this. Four through seven, yeah. Five through seven. So Cain is one who shows discouragement in his face. And really his discouragement, if you look at it, why was he discouraged? He didn't get his way. Okay. What was his way? What was he looking for? Approval from God. Okay. From what he had. Approval. He was looking for approval. And who got approval? His brother. Okay, so I'm going to put comparing. Because I think that's important. He was comparing himself. God accepted Abel's offering. He did not accept Cain's offering. And he saw that God accepted his brother's offering. And he got angry because God accepted his brother's offering and not his offering. And so his countenance fell. And what did he do to his brother? Killed him. Out of anger. Bitterness and discouragement and depression. Let's go to one more. And this is really interesting. In 1 Kings 21, the story of Ahab. Um, in 1 Kings 21, God gives us a story of this wicked king named Ahab. He's a king of the north. He is the king of Israel. Bad guy. Who's his wife? Jezebel, right? The wicked wife, the wicked witch Jezebel. She's a Baal worshiper from the north. Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard in Jezreel beside the palace of the Ahab king of Samaria. After this, Ahab said to Naboth, Give me your vineyard that I may have it for a vegetable garden because it is near my house and I will give you better vineyard for it or if it seems good to you, I will give you its value in money. But Naboth said to Ahab, Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my fathers. So what did, what happened here? Who, who, what did Ahab want? A garden near his house. Right? What did Naboth, the guy who owned the vineyard, say? No. So rather than approval, he actually wants. I'm just. I don't know how to say this. He just. He, he just wants to fulfill the love. I just like the Bible uses the word lust of the flesh. The idea of look, I want to. I want to have uh, pleasure, and I want it nearby. I don't, I don't have anywhere else to plant this thing. Look, your your land is perfect. Just. Do what I want you to do and, and give me what I want. Notice what happens when he says no. And it says in verse 4, Ahab went into his house vexed and sullen because of what Naboth the Jezreelite had said to him. For he had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. And look, Ahab's the king, okay? It says he lay down on his bed and turned away his face and would eat no food. So he, he literally says... I'm ticked off. I'm going to go lie down on my bed. I'm not going to talk to anybody. I'm going to turn my face away. It means his, his like if you're, my kids do this. You walk in the room, you're like, hey, you ready? You ready to go do, and they're, you ready to go do something? And they're mad at you. They'll turn their face away from you to the wall. They go, no. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. They'll kind of snip, be snippy. And this is what Ahab's doing. Like, he's acting like a child. He's acting like a, he's the king of the whole nation. And he's acting like a child because he didn't get what he wanted. It's, 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 He's depressed. He's discouraged because somebody said no to him. Has somebody ever said no to you and you got really depressed? People always say no to me. <laughs>
Yeah, you get used to it. But if you're not used to having somebody say no to you, it can be really discouraging. So Jezebel's wife came to him and said, Why is your spirit so vexed that you eat no food? He said, Because I spoke to Naboth the Jezreelite. He said to him, Give me his vineyard. And he said, I will not. Jezebel, his wife, said to him, Do not govern Israel. Rise and eat bread. Let your heart be cheerful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth. And so she kills the man and gives his land to her husband. So um, here's a guy who's depressed because he doesn't get what he wants. Same thing for Cain. Cain does not get what he wants, so he's depressed. My question is, if you face depression and discouragement, ask yourself one question. What is it I'm not getting that I want? What is it I'm not getting that I want? Now, it's not always the case, but sometimes when we're depressed, it's because we want recognition or we want approval or we want something lust of our flesh. We want something, nobody, somebody's not getting it to us. And depression is not overnight. Isn't it depression takes time? Well, it can be. It can, it can hit you hard. I, I think it could take time, sure, like anything. But um, these guys both hit them pretty hard, pretty fast. And it could be something that was building up. I don't know. Well, I like the word depression. We talk about depression clinically, like we talk about like a disease, where we can use the biblical word despair, right? Despair, where you're talking about loss without hope, sadness without hope. Okay, sadness with no end to your sadness. And men in the Bible face face a lot of sadness, but but you have to have that expectation, that hope. At the end, uh, and if, as long as you have that, I think you can avoid true despair. Paul says we do not despair as those who have no hope, because we have a coming hope. Right? Um, and I'm almost out of time here, but what is our godly response to this? First, look at these verses here. Philippians three one says what? Finally, my brothers, rejoice, rejoice in the Lord. Philippians 4 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Is there, is there a time when you don't have to rejoice? How about when you don't get what you want? How about when you wanted something, you don't get it, and you feel sad, discouraged? That's a stress. Rejoice always. What does God, what does uh, Paul say in 1 Timothy 6 8? If we have food and clothing with these, we will be what? Content. Keep your life free from the love of money. Be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Why can you be content? Because God has promised what? His presence. Right? Don't look within. Look at Christ. Look at God. Um, We'll finish up with these things here, and then we'll be done. Uh, Envy and jealousy is a big one. Jealousy is very dangerous. The Bible says wrath is cruel. Anger is overwhelming. But who can stand for jealousy. Uh, uh, this can be a response to stress in your life. You can just be jealous of someone else. Um, instead of being jealous, what are you supposed to do? Someone gets that. Let's just say, Sabrina, let's just say you want to do that archaeological thing. And you have a really good friend who you told about. Okay, this is a stretch. Let's just imagine you have a friend who you're in class with them and you tell them how excited you are about this. They're like, that sounds awesome. I want to try it too. And so they also submit their name. They get it. You don't. What do we all feel? That's not fair. We feel jealous, right? I would be jealous. I mean, maybe you're holier than me. 
You probably are, but I, I would feel like jealous. I'd feel like, man, like I, if it hadn't been for me, why you wouldn't even have known about the thing, and you should be thankful for me. You should be thankful to me. You should be like, no, you take it. Like you know how? Yeah. I actually did have someone who did that. I got accepted to all three of the governor's schools, and I turned it down because they told me they didn't want me to go. And then as soon as I turned it down, they applied and got my spot. Oh. Yeah, so so jealousy is power. What are you supposed to do instead of be jealous? Pardon? What are you, what are you supposed to do instead of be jealous besides listen? Love with affection. Okay. Look at that first verse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Have you ever wanted when someone was really sad to kind of be like, rub their nose in it a little bit? No, right? You never had that thought. But like you got 102% on a test and they got a 71 or a 64 or a 27 and they're grieving and you're like, well, if you ever want to hire me for tutoring, let me know. You know, you have, this, you have a way of like... What are you supposed to do when someone is rejoicing? When someone gets that job, something gets somebody you want it really bad. They've got it. They got it. You don't rejoice with them. That's hard. You want to be like jealous. God says rejoice with those who are rejoicing. When someone's weeping, when someone's in pain, sometimes you want to, you know, you, you, oh come on, get over. It's not a big deal. Weep with them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo them one another in showing honor. This idea of don't be jealous with each other. Show honor to one another. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Think of other people as being more significant than you. And that will help you. Lastly, I think this is lastly. I'm not sure. I'm getting close here. I know. And that is uh, annoyance, irritability, and patience. There's a great passage here from Luke 10 where Mary and Martha are seeing Jesus. I want you to just, how would you describe, did I give you the list of the way that Martha was described or did I just give you some blanks? Did I give you a blank? Good. As they went their way, Jesus entered the village and the woman named Martha welcomed him to her house. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's table and listened, uh, sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she said to him, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. How would you describe Martha's attitude when she's under the stress of having to provide for Jesus and his many people who are following him? How would you describe her? You think she's being reasonable, okay? Come on. She's distracted. That's what Jesus says. You're distracted. You're troubled about many things. She feels like she's the only one doing the work. She feels alone. She feels alone. Okay. Yeah. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me? She's talking to Jesus. Okay, what, what do you... Do you see anything in that, in the way she says that? She's trying to... Do you not else. care... That my si- what'd you say? She's trying to throw her under the bus. <laughs> she's accused. She's being accusatory. Absolutely. She's being accusatory. Lord, do you not care? My- she's not only accusing her sister. She's accusing Jesus. We do this too. Lord, do you not care that this has happened to me? Lord, do you not know that I'm trying to serve you? And look what you've given me. Look at the trouble you've caused. Okay. 
Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? And then what does she say? Tell her. Remember, look at your... Uh, who, what, what is this? What kind of verb is this? Imperative. Imperative. Who's she telling? Who, who, who's she instructing? Who is she instructing? She's telling Jesus what to do. When you're under stress, and you're handling it by being annoying, irritable, and impatient, I think, I think she was annoyed. I think she was pushy. I think she was demanding. I think she was rude. I think she was accusatory. I think she was all those things. Because she is put out. And she is irritated. And she responds this way. And she tells Jesus what to do. I mean, imagine that. All right. And sometimes we can just live in denial. Um, that's I, I put those up. Okay. Uh, I didn't put the last one up. Denial. We're not going to go through these. These are on for yourself. Think through some of these questions. We'll go to our groups in a second. But like, what are some stress? We talked about this a lot already. Evaluate yourself. Before, before in a couple weeks, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about the, the uh, ways of escaping stress. How to escape this stuff. We've kind of set the table here. Think through these questions. I mean, how would the Bible describe the main reasons we get stressed out? What, what are the wrong responses? What are the unbiblical ways of responding? Um, all these things we've talked about at length. Any questions? Of the, the, anything I said that brought up a question? Does it make sense? Kind of? You need to be aware of this kind of stuff, guys. It will... Let me, put, let me end with an illustration, and then we'll be done. Um, how many of you like tea? Okay, good. Um, if you have... Oh, let me ask you this. What causes the flavor... Where, where does the flavor come from? The hot water doing what? Okay, the 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 hot water actually doesn't cause doesn't give us flavor. It's the leaves that give us the flavor for the tea. But you dip the leaf the, the leaves in the bag in the hot water, and the hot water releases the flavor that's already present in the leaves. Okay, if you have if you have really bad flavor, the flavor was already there. It just is now exposed. Sometimes in our life, when stress comes, when it does, and God does it this way for us, is that he uses hot water, he uses stress to just expose what's already there. It's not that the hot water causes me to sin, it's that the hot water exposes the sin in my life. So, some people try to get out of a situation, they think, well, if I could just get out of college, or if I could just get out of this relationship, if I could get out of this stressful situation, I would not sin because this is causing me to sin. Where really the truth is, is that it's just exposing the sin that was already there. That's what, we're, that's what we're like. And God uses circumstances all the time to show you yourself. Purifying. Yeah. But you got to be willing to be honest. you got to be willing to look at yourself honestly and say, okay, that nasty thing that I said came from my heart. That nasty thing I did came from my heart. And I'm, I'm to blame here. I need to repent. That's forgiveness. Okay. I'll stop on that.